he told me about a gay bar and I don't even think I knew gay bars existed. I had no idea that it was like a thing. I'm like, wait, what? Hello, I am Kay Anderson and you are listening to Lost Spaces, the podcast that mourns the death of queer nightlife. Every episode, I talk to a different person about a venue from their past, the memories that they created there and the people that they used to know. So, have you ever had that experience where you walk into a bar and it's a bar that you've never been in before and as you're acclimatizing to the smell and the dampness and the darkness, you think to yourself, hmm, everyone here is really friendly before realizing that they are all sick of the sight of each other and you are what they call fresh meat. Well, this week's chat threw me back in time to the few occasions that that has happened to me and how glorious and all-powerful that I felt in those moments. And who reminded me of those heady days? Well, it is Brian, the co-host of The Pink Milk Podcast, a show that views Star Wars and all its many properties through a queer lens. Brian currently lives in Phoenix, Arizona with his husband, Tom, and his three kids. But when he was a plucky and some might say naive 18-year-old, Brian packed up all of his things and moved to Austin, Texas, which was kind of an elaborate plan to avoid coming out. We talked all about the first club that he went to there, the Forum, and along the way we discuss the perils of heteronormativity, tiptoeing carefully around your parents, and the pluckiness of youth. like two weeks after high school I had been saving money I used to wait tables like overnight and so I was an 18 year old kid and this was 1997 and I had saved up like $2,300 which to me was like I could go I could go buy the world of $2,300 not having any idea about anything and I needed to come out but I didn't know how to come out and I had never really gone anywhere Texas was the only other place that I'd ever been in my life so I'm like I'm just gonna go to Texas Okay, but did you know that, like, Texas wasn't the best place to be gay? No. I had no idea. Okay, okay. And I luckily, luckily, I went to Austin. So if people know Texas, Austin is, like, their tagline, at least back then, was, like, let's keep it weird. So it mm-hmm, was, mm-hmm. I got lucky in that regard because it's, like, the, it's the outlier in Texas. Yeah. But let's be real. It's still Texas. So <laughs> <laughs> I am telling you, I was so naive. I packed up my bags. I filled up my car. I didn't even tell my parents I was moving because to me, I'm like, I'm 18. Of course I'm leaving. (laughs) I don't understand. Like, it's so, it's so ludicrous. I show up to Texas. I didn't know you had to rent an apartment. I thought you just went and got an apartment. (laughs) So I show up in Texas and saw a sign for this little apartment building. I was like, oh, yes, I see that you have an apartment. How much is it? They tell me, okay, I would like to move in. When? Like now? And like the universe, like the stars aligned for me because it was like a condo that they turned into little apartments. And the lady was very nice and just trusted me. Back then, I looked like I was probably 10 anyways. And she was very good to me. And so I just moved in. And then I had to go to her office. She's like, you do realize that's not how it's done? I'm like, no. Anyways, so that all worked out. And then I was just gay. So I didn't ever have to come out because anyone that I met there, I was just gay. And it was the greatest thing in the world for me. Because then by the time people that I knew in my past had found out, I'd kind of already been gay for a little while. Yeah. But I there's this bar there called The Forum. It was the first bar that I ever went to. Well, hang on, sorry. Let's, let's just explore this a bit more before we get there. So you just packed everything up and you just left. And you didn't tell your parents 
was that because you didn't realize that was a thing you should do or because you were like, oh, no, they might ask questions and then I'll have to tell them why? Well, I mean, it was not a good time in my family life anyways. Mm -hmm. Like my parents were separated. My mom was living in Texas, but in a different city. Mm -hmm. And so I was living with my father, who I never got along with anyways. And so maybe some of it was also running away from that without mm -hmm. realizing I needed to run away from it, if that makes sense. Um, and then my dad just didn't, because my dad's, you know, well, we don't talk anymore, but like at the time he was just kind of a mess. So I don't even think he really cared. And then I think I told my mom like a while I was on my way and there was no cell phones back then. There was no, you know, there was none of these. Well, there were cell phones, but they were like this big. <laughs> that, okay. And that's no true. Had them. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. And so then what did your mom say when you told, told her? I think she was just shocked, but at the same time, I'm not sure if she was shocked because I've always been a person who, once I make up my mind, I live in my head for so long about yeah. it and I plan it like as much as I, to the ability of just showing up to a state thinking you can just get an apartment anytime. But in my mind, that's how it works. <laughs> well, so I was going to say the... that doesn't sound very planned out. <laughs> <laughs> but in my mind, it was planned out. Like, thank God, uh -huh. like whatever's out there in the cosmos was clearly looking out for me during this time because... <laughs> It could have been a very different story. But yeah, I don't know. I think I think she was also just kind of proud that I just went and did it. And I look back now and I'm like, I was an 18-year-old kid who knew nothing. Mm. And I look back, I'm like, oh, I'm kind of proud of that kid. That's like a really like, that's a bold move. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> Not to put too much on the 18-year-old you, but it's nice when you don't overthink things. You're not worried too much about the consequences and you're just like, well, off I go. Let's see. And I kind of mm -hmm. miss that about being young. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. Especially now in this new life that I have found, like, that's all gone. So weird. Oh, responsible adulthood. Ugh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Ugh. Right? Who needs it? <laughs> And and then so, like, I'm assuming there was, like, no prospects about jobs or anything like that. Did you just go out and hustle the next day? Oh, no. See, well, this is, it doesn't make sense because there was planning involved. I just don't know why I didn't feel the need to tell my right parents. Because I, I was working <laughs> at this, at Target, which is just like a yeah. department store type thing, right? Uh -huh. So I transferred. I, I had worked there for a long time, so I transferred to another store. But then I transferred to the wrong store. So I show up to this thing thinking I was supposed to work. And they're like, that's a different store. And I was like, oh, well, can I just work at this one? This one's closer to my house. <laughs> that's where I ended up working. Like, I feel like maybe because I look like I was 10, it was beneficial. <laughs> so what, So you said like, oh, can't I just work at this one? And they were like, yeah, right. Uh -huh. Wow. <laughs> it's so funny. I have not told these stories in I don't know how many years. And now that I'm a dad to three kids and if any of my little children behave this way, <laughs> Who raised oh. you? <laughs> How old is your eldest? Uh, our oldest, Jack, is 12 now. Okay, I'll check in in six yeah. years and see what's happening. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> if there's anyone who's going to be like me, though, it's going to be our youngest. He'll be like that. No, you're going to hire me because of course you are. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be him. Oh, no. Oh, that's, oh, I wish I had that confidence. Right, so... <laughs> Was it this situation when you when you were in Phoenix, you were like, I'm not going to tell anyone I'm gay. I'm not going to act gay. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be gay. I'm not going to think gay. But now that I'm in Austin, whoosh, everything like is out of the box. Yeah. In high school, by my senior year, I think the rumors like were swirling around that I was gay. Mm -hmm. And I didn't actively admit to those rumors. But I also didn't actively try to say they're not true. Well, what can you do in those situations? Like, what is the best way of addressing it? Yeah. Like, if you deny it, everyone's going to be like, well, he's denying it, so he must be lying. And then if you admit it, then that opens the floodgates to bullying, right? I think I'm not, I'm, sh I'm very short. And I was really teeny tiny for how short? the bulk of my life. I'm only, I'm 5'4". Oh, and wow. my mother... God, this is a, um, this is, we're already off topic. So when I was, Welcome I remember my, show. yeah, <laughs> it was my first day of kindergarten. And I remember this day, like as clear as day. And I came home crying, like I'm sure many kindergartners do. Mm -hmm. And I was crying because they're making fun of me for being little. And I remember my mother just sat there and took like a beat. And she said, you are. 
And there was no explanation after that, like literally not a thing. And I think it was the greatest gift in the entire world because I remember junior, senior year of high school when I figured out I was gay and I had my meltdown, like I'm sure many people do. At the end, I was like, but I am. And it was over like that. And I was just kind of accepted everything. And I think it came back to that back then of just like, it just accept who you are. And that's it. So I need to ask follow-up questions. When you say meltdown, what happened? I remember my junior prom was when I really knew. Because I ended up going to prom, I think, with a guy. And I remember <laughs> they wouldn't let us into prom. Because we were dressed too crazy. I was a little theater kid, so I was like, I think I what wore like... What color was your corsage? Oh, I didn't have one, but I had pink pants, rainbow uh-huh. suspenders, and like maybe it didn't match, and maybe like a blue shirt. I don't remember. I'm sure I looked horrendous. But so they didn't let us in, so we improvised and went to like a JCPenney to get like a family portrait. And on the drive <laughs> to this JCPenney, the guy and I decided that we are going to tell this story that we all went to prom together... But we decided to ditch our girlfriends and go to prom together. So we made the girls sit, stand behind us while I sat in the guy's lap. And he had his finger in my mouth. <laughs> and that was like our picture for prom. I'm like, I feel so horrible for these girls. Like, oh, my God, that's so that's so mean. So so you were going <laughs> as like a double date. But because the mm-hmm. two of you were dressed in a weird way, the four of you yeah. weren't allowed in. Yeah. Ah, yes. God, that's so annoying. Yeah, it was awful. But like, it's not as awful as me making the, the our dates stand behind us. <laughs> like, that's so terrible. So when his finger was in your mouth, that was the moment you realized? Or? I, th- I think so. I was like, oh, wait, I don't think this is pretend. I think I'm really a prom with this person. And I kind of like it. And then so that night, I remember like, and this is... Not easy, but back then, like, I was like, okay, I'm 16, and I don't know if you remember the real world on MTV. Oh, yes, I know what it is, but I've never, like, okay. I don't think it was on TV here. So, there was um, this person named Pedro who was like a 20 something living with HIV, and it was MTV's way of introducing it to society. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a really mm-hmm. powerful character, it was really important. And I remember, obviously, I really gravitated towards him. And he had died right around that time. And he was 30. And I remember realizing I was gay and I was 16 or 17 and putting together that Pedro had died at 30 and my Mm -hmm. life was already halfway over. Mm -hmm. Because to me, that's what happened. That you would come out and you'd eventually get HIV and die very young. That's what always made me the most afraid how much I was going to miss out on. And maybe that was some of the driving force to get me out of the house so young. I don't know, you know, but like, I think I just was like, I have to go live. If it's not going to be around that long, (laughs) then I just got to go make the best of everything, Um, which is really sad. And that was a lot for a 16, 17 year old kid to like process. And process alone as well. Like, cause you Mm. can't have that conversation with anyone because if you have that conversation with someone, you're effectively coming out to them. So you're just, in this world of turmoil on your own going through it, right? I think when I was that age, I was like, well, by the time I'm 30, like, what else am I going to want to do with my life? (laughs) So I think for me, it was always just like, oh, well, if that happens, I guess. Because I remember when Princess Diana died and I just, and she was 36 when she died, right? And now I look, and now I think, what the fuck was I thinking? But I was like, well, you know, she lived a long life. <laughs> Which I probably shouldn't admit to, but yeah, for me that like that kind of age just seemed like it made sense to die then. Oh, anyway, sorry, you were saying about your dad. Maybe I was like, yeah, like, and at that point, I think I was living with just my dad. Then I think my mom had left. It was somewhere right around this time, anyways. But like, I knew that if my dad found out, he would have kicked me out, and I had no one. Like, there Mm -hmm. was no family. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't even know where I would go. So that was scary. But, you know, sadly, that's not a unique story for young Mm -hmm. kids, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't know. And around that time, and then I found a guy at high school that I could mess around with. And I wonder, like, this makes me sound like such a horrible person. 
but I was not attracted to him. Uh, this is like a horrible thing to say. Like it does not make me sound like a very nice person. But I remember actively thinking to myself, I'm not gay if I'm not attracted to him. I'm just experimenting. I'm just going to experiment. Mm-hmm. Is this everybody's like story when you think back to those things? Well, see, I don't know. Like I think I am always amazed that people found other people to have homosexual experiences with in high school. How did that happen? It just never happened to me. So I'm like, wow, how? I don't know. I don't remember at all how it happened with him because I was actively not interested. So maybe he must have tried really hard. Yeah. But like, it's, it's also this thing, like, if you cross that line with this person and then they tell people, then you're fucked. Like, you're just totally mm. fucked in your school environment. So how... How does how do either of you then like pluck up the courage to make the first move when it's social suicide? I don't know. Mm. I really don't know. I don't know if I. Clearly, we've already established that I don't plan. I don't think much ahead. So maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and I overthink everything. So that's probably what, why we ended up where we ended you up. <laughs> there we go. My husband over like that's how we're a good team. I think because he's like not that. I do remember senior year, there was a football player and he was very cute. Uh And I had the biggest crush on him because I was like, I'm like a nerdy little theater kid. Why is this like football star talking to me? But I'm here for it. And one night we were all out doing something and he made sure to drop me off last. And we were just hanging out talking and he grabbed my hand and said, I think I really like you. And I did nothing with it. I ran away. I'm like, oh, I had the biggest crush on him and he was so handsome and I was so happy. But like, then I did nothing. I'm like, what? Why did I? So there must have been a level where I still didn't want to be gay. And that would have gone too far. Or here's a theory for you. What if you were like, oh, someone's put him up to this and this is a joke and I'm not falling for this joke. It's possible. Because I think that would be my reaction. Like, you must be punking me. I mean, it really could be. He was like the big buff, like football star person. Like that's the person in the movies that beats the gay person up. Yeah, like yeah, that would yeah. set them up for something. You know what? Maybe you're right. Maybe. I don't, I don't should, really should remember. Should we look anymore. him up on Facebook? Oh, I've tried. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and what were the results? <laughs> I didn't see anything. Oh, I mean, damn. admittedly, I'm not a great like internet user. Uh-huh. I think it was just this last few years that I learned you could use the internet for anything other than posting naked pictures of yourself and finding sex. I was like, oh, there's more to this internet? I mean, there's not much more, but yeah, there is more. <laughs> so you don't oh, like actively don't stalk people that you've never spoken to for 20 years to find out what happened to them? No. Oh. I don't. I think I was truthfully really unhappy back then and i think i actively don't even want to engage with it anymore yeah oh do you know i need to tell you so my friend sarah was talking we were like having a conversation the other day and she was like oh you know these people that bullied you in school and she was like listing their names and i was like i don't i don't have any recollection of who these people are (laughs) and i just don't I don't even know, like, may, it's, it's possible that I've just buried it, but I just had no memory. Oh, my God. Thank you for saying that. Legitimately, thank you for saying that. I remember this was probably 10 years ago now, mm-hmm. but through Facebook, like, I reconnected with all of these high school people that I had not seen in a long time. And remember, I had just up and left. I didn't tell any yeah. of my friends. Like, one day I was here and the next day I was gone, uh-huh. which was not nice. That's like looking back, you know, that was, I did whatever I, I guess I needed to do for self-survival kind of thing, but like yeah. completely didn't think about any of them. And I had this same experience to talking about all of these things. And I was like, I don't want to like disrespect anyone, but like, I legitimately don't remember anything that you're talking about. And maybe we are so up in our head and figuring it out that maybe we're just very selfish in that time or something. There's just not, maybe there's so much chaos in my own head. I don't know if there's room for, for other stuff. I don't know yeah. if I recognize that back then, but I've wondered that. So, yeah. I think the only thing that I could really think of in terms of my own response was that 
like if someone hated me, it didn't matter because they always hated me and I was never going to win them over. But it was when like friends or teachers let me down. Those are the things that really stick with me when mm. people kind of turned their back on me or a teacher would say, do you know, you could just make all of this go away if you stopped acting so gay. Like those are the things that stick with me. Those are the things that just... I trace my torment back to. <laughs> mm -hmm. ah, and the bullying, like, I'm grand if you hate me. Like, mm. you're allowed to, I suppose. I suppose. I mean, you know, I don't want you to be overly hostile to me. But, yeah, I think that's why I, I just don't remember these people. I think about this stuff probably more than I should, to be totally honest. But I feel like something that I've tried working on, like, personal growth, especially this last few years is I think I put up so many walls so I didn't have to have someone decide to hate me. Because, again, if I don't mm. know you and you dislike me, all right. Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. You know, that's that's fine. I didn't know like you, so there's, I'm not missing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, people that you did like or thought you liked or any of those things and they turn their back, I think I just, I don't know if I have ever allowed myself to have those kinds of connections mm -hmm. out of fear that that would happen. And I think I've missed out on a lot because yeah. of that. Yeah, and I, I, I would agree that I have done the same thing. But you have been married for over 10 years. Yeah, almost 15. So if you've only made this realization in the last few years, how did he slip through the net? Okay, oh, that, oh no, the, I, yeah. I think there was a part of me that maybe I also stayed away from certain things because I knew this was the life that I wanted. I knew I would find a person mm -hmm. and I'd be with them a long time because like my husband, we literally know everything about each other. Like we're very, very like we have that kind of relationship that literally nothing is ever, we talk about everything and I can be. Do you poop in front of each other though? Oh God, no. Oh, you can't know everything, man. Oh, well, okay. I don't want to know that. <laughs> I have major poop shame. Like, do not talk about it. And now a house with three young boys, too. Like, it is it is a battle I will never win. <laughs> but I'm also not going to give up. <laughs> yeah, okay. No, we don't go that far. But everything else. Um, okay. I think I always knew that was going to happen. I had met a, my first boyfriend when I was 19. And... I think at the time I thought we would be together forever. I thought that I had met that person I'll be with forever and I can be the one gay couple that had stayed together forever and we can say we've been together for 50 years and like we can prove to the world that like two guys can be together, right? Like uh -huh. that's real healthy expectations to put on yourself. But like, and that turned out to be really, really awful. He was a pharmacist and he turned into be a heroin addict <laughs> and was like stealing drugs from the hospital and all this stuff. It was just like, I felt like when that happened, my entire life just like fell apart because I'm yeah. like, I mean, if you want if people do what they do, that's that's fine. That's cool. But like I was never in around that stuff and especially living with someone and them doing it all behind your back. It was a very weird thing. And I had found him on the floor and it almost OD'd and I had to like pick him up and carry him to the hospital. And I ratted him out because uh, I thought and it, it was a devastating thing for, for 19 as yeah well. and i don't you know i already didn't trust people yeah as much as i wish that i could have and then it was just like this major this is why you don't do it moment mm. um, so okay so just let's go back one step so you yeah. talked about um wanting to break the mold and i think that yeah. that's quite a common r reaction mm. when you grow up in a particular society that keeps telling you oh gays those gays they're so promiscuous they're all going to get hiv they're all going to die you don't mm -hmm. want to be like that the response is well i'm gonna show you and i'm gonna go and do it and i'm gonna fall in love and it's going to be amazing but the flip side of that kind of mindset is that you might stay in toxic relationships because you're so busy trying to prove a point which was me <laughs> I haven't gently led you to this next question. Sorry, I'm just like, <laughs> warning signs. Um, yeah. Was that the case with this guy then? A hundred percent. Like I fell victim to that heteronormative ideology that that is the only way you can be. Mm -hmm. And it took me a long time to understand and accept that world wasn't built for us. And I was so busy chasing that idea, wanting to fit in that I was never going to be a part of that club anyways. 
And so somewhere in that process, like I became really okay being queer. And around this and around this same time, like I I had just by the time that happened, I guess I was 23. We were together for like 4 years. I just graduated from college and I wanted to be a police officer. And I wanted to get into forensics. I was, was I wanted to be a detective. And while I was in in the police academy, like I didn't make it super far before I realized it wasn't for me, but I was in that thinking, "Oh my god, I'm doing the same thing. I'm going to be the short gay guy who's a police officer because I can still be all of these things and be a short gay guy. And I'm like, this is a really horrible way to get into this. And what the heck am I doing? Ah. So you're saying that then you were making all of those decisions because you wanted to impress or confound or contradict what people thought of you rather than it being the right decision for you. Yeah. And Ah. I freed myself from that around that time. You know, and and then I had a lot more fun because then I turned into a gigantic hoe and like had a great time. It was really that's like, why didn't I do this when I was younger and thinner and prettier? Like, come on. Um, wait, wait, at 25. <laughs> hey, we have already discussed about like 36. You might as well be gone anyways. <laughs> Not much more to life. <laughs> exactly. But yeah. And then I, I did that for a while. And then I met my husband for the first time, who's now my husband. And life kept bringing him back. And I was just like, you know, I think I needed to go through all of that to meet him. And then to get, we were together nine years and then we started the adoption process. And now we have three kids. And I like, it's just crazy because I think back to that kid that I was 18 who fought for all of these things and I wanted that heteronormative mm-hmm. life. And now somehow I actually kind of have it, but I have it as a very, very out proud and very queer person. And I've really learned the balance that you can have both. And it was, it's just this like amazing thing that I feel like I stayed true to who I thought I was going to end up being at 18. And I Mm -hmm. am that person, but just in a very different way. Mm -hmm. And I think back to almost six years ago when our first son moved in with us, I literally had this life that I always dreamed about that was never going to be for me. But now I actually have it. And so that stuff will always outweigh the bad things. And for me, if I had to go through all of that to get where I am right now, then I guess it was all worth it. Mm-hmm. Even the really, really dark times and even the really hard things. Like I feel so incredibly fortunate to have the husband that I have. Like we're 15 years together. We're still best friends. I love him more than I, today than I did 15 years ago. Oh, okay. Stop. And now... Making me sick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know, like I, I know how lucky I am with that especially as a gay man like that just wasn't a part of our story (laughs) for a long time like that just wasn't wasn't gonna be for us and it's not for everybody and that's totally fine too but it's what i wanted and uh yeah i always i always try to circle back to that i think about that 18 19 year old 20 year old me somewhere along the lines accepting society tell me i can never have this life but look i had my middle Mm. finger up and and i got it even though you told me I couldn't. So let's find out about Brian as an 18, 19, 20-year-old. So you've rocked up in Austin. You're working at Target. You're embracing the gayness. What was your first act of queerness? was going to the forum. Oh, and brilliant. That's what we're here to do. Yeah, about. there we go. I know, right? <laughs> we got Bring in the background. <laughs> There was like a New Year's Eve party and I don't, now I do. I didn't have a very healthy relationship with alcohol. My father was an alcoholic and very abusive. So I was like very afraid of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and went to this, to this New Year's Eve party. There's drinking everywhere. I had never had a drop of alcohol ever in my entire life. I don't know what I drank, but I was passed out at one point in time. And then I woke up and I remember I brought all these CDs because I thought a party like you had, like you danced. And I also thought, of course the guest brings all their CDs and just takes over the CD station, CD player. Of course that's what they do. <laughs> so I start playing all the stuff. And then I met my friend Mark. And so we were 19 at the time. He's my dear friend. He's the only person ever in my entire life, other than my husband that I've known this long and stayed 
And he's like, he's my, he's my best friend. That was the night that I met him. And he was the first gay person I had ever met. Minus maybe some of these people in high school, but I didn't know they were gay at the time. But yeah, like, yeah, yeah. we were both gay. And I think we probably felt like, you're gay? I'm gay? We have to be best friends. And that's just as simple as it was back then. <laughs> um, so he took care of me because I was drunk and didn't know what I was doing. I'm sure it was a complete mess. And we became best friends. And then we he told me about a gay bar. And I don't even think I knew gay bars existed. I had no idea that it was like a thing. I'm like, wait, what? He's like, yeah. Like gay people go, I'm like, to do, you can go dancing. I think I thought a nightclub was like Soul Train Awards or like Casey Kasem's like the, or Dance MTV. Like I thought that's what it was. God, I was so, I was so naive. And so we so went to on, this bar. Hang on. Well, hang on, hang yeah. on, hang on. So you left Phoenix to go to Austin to like live your gay life. What did you imagine your gay life was? I don't know. <laughs> I just thought I'd meet a boy walking down the grocery store. Uh-huh. We'd bump carts looking at eggplants or something. And like the birds would spin around our head. We would just fall madly in love. And we would buy a house and put up our white picket fence and live together. I have, I have no idea. I have no idea what I thought was supposed to happen. Okay. So this bombshell has been dropped on you. Like yes. gay bars exist. What, what were the follow on thoughts? When? When do we go? And they're like, well, we can only go on Thursdays because we're 19 and Thursday nights are all age night. I was like, oh, okay. And of course now it's like, go out on a Thursday. We, <laughs> what? <laughs> Stay up past 10? What? Uh, so we went and I just remember I, I'm sure I looked a hot mess, but I thought I was cute as all get out. I don't, Lord knows what I was wearing, but I like to the nines. And so, of course, to me, it's like the biggest event in the entire world. I was so excited. I'm like saying hi to everybody. I was like strutting down the street like, oh, this is going to be everything. I can't wait to go down the line. I can't wait for the dance floor to like part ways and we all get to do like our little like <laughs> dance down the thing. Dude, like, so. <laughs> exactly. I legit like thought that was what this was going to be like. Yeah. And so then I go and this is like. Can I see your hands? So you show me your hands. You know, they put the big X's with their Sharpie on your hands so you don't drink. And it's like, wait, that was it? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I thought there was going to be a line with a rope that I was going to have to, like, be approved with what I was dressing. Like, I just, what a mess. <laughs> but anyway, so then I go in and I just remember here I am, an 18-year-old twink who is fresh meat. And every single person at the bar turned their head and all eyes were on me. And I was like, oh, these people seem so friendly. This is so great. <laughs> Not having any idea what's really on their mind. And I just remember thinking back that this was like a warehouse nightclub with like thousands of people. And I think back in reality, it's probably, you know. 2000 square feet and there's probably 15 people there but not like to me I was living like I was living my best life and I just remember dancing away like my friend Mark and I we just went straight to that dance floor and just started dancing Janet Jackson's velvet rope was like top of the charts back then I remember I get lonely was playing and I was just I, I was living it. it I can't even imagine how ridiculous I looked <laughs> in real life but everything like the spotlight was on me I just remember feeling so excited and then i was like oh this is what that gay life is it's not about eggplants in the grocery store it's about this right now and i love thursday nights thursday night is gonna be like greatest thing ever smoke machines and strobe lights <sighs> but so you yeah. weren't like tentative at all you were just like yeah bang i'm here and i'm gonna dance yeah oh god it was so great i thought that's what you did and this was like, this moment was probably the birthplace of the best part of being gay and the worst. I probably learned my body dysmorphia and all sorts of things in this very moment. I was at the bar getting some water mm -hmm. and I thought he was old at the time. He's probably, you know, 36. Let's, let's just run with 36. He's probably 36. <laughs> Ancient. Oh. <laughs> and... He's like, you've never been to a gay bar before, have you? I'm like, no, this is my first time. Can you tell? Oh, I was just, Lord knows. And he just sat me down and started telling me about all gay people. He's like, there's twinks and there's muscle queens. There's drag queens. There's this. And he's like, and I'm like, okay, what are you? He's like, well, you're a twink. I was like, okay, what is that? He's like, well, that means, and like legit, this is how it went down. When you go wow. to a bar, you need to find an older guy and you're going to bottom. You're a bottom. Like, what's a bottom? He's like, 
anal sex. What's anal sex? <laughs> like, I had no idea about any of these things. And I was like, oh, okay, this is weird, but I guess so. I like, what do I know? He's, he's the old man telling me what to do. So, okay. And wow. I just assumed that's what it was. So I went back and then it was also drag night, I guess, because then all of a sudden the drag performers came. I had never seen a drag queen before. I thought they were just like the daytime talk show things. I didn't know it was real, but I'm like, oh my God, here they are. And it was amazing. And I felt like I was there all night long. It was back then and back when like bars could stay open till like four or five in the morning. You know, you left in the dark and you came back as the sun was coming up. And that night I made out with my first person outside of this high school person. And I made out with a drag queen and it was the greatest thing because I even knew then I'm like, this is my first night in a gay bar. I want to make out with a drag queen because I think this is the greatest story in the entire world. I might be telling someone on a podcast about this, even though I don't know what a <laughs> exactly. podcast is yet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it was just, it was the greatest feeling in the entire world. I just remember feeling so free at that time. Okay. So it won't surprise it you that I have follow-up questions. First of all, this older man... Was he like hitting on you or was he just kind of trying to educate you? Okay. I'm not really sure what his motivation was. 42 year old me will tell you he was definitely hitting on me and he thought he was going to be my daddy and take me home that night. But I was uh -huh. so naive. I just thought he was being a helpful, nice person. <laughs> so I guarantee you. And he's probably like, well. Now I'm going to have to roll that speech out for some other young twink in here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Who's a little oh. less dense. <laughs> How interesting, though, that that's your, like, pickup approach. Not just like, hey, how you doing? Yeah. It's, like, really creepy. It's I'm like, really oh, my creepy. God. You are that dangerous, scary person. That, that, this is going to sound so terrible. You're going to be that person that every parent thinks their child is going to turn into if they're gay. You're going to find the youngest person to almost prey on. Luckily for me, I was not very bright back then, so I just didn't even pick up on it. Thanks for the tips, mister. Off I go. <laughs> yeah. I guess I'm a twink now. Hey, girl. I was like, oh. Uh, I also want to talk to you about being fresh meat. Mm -hmm. Now, in my experience, whenever I've been fresh meat, which, you know, like two or three times in my life, it's been like, wow, this bar is amazing because I'm getting all this attention. And then the very next time that I go there, no one gives a shit. And it's the most mm -hmm. deflating thing in the world. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Everyone yeah. left me here. I'm going to go back. Oh, oh, no one cares. <laughs> I feel you. I didn't feel you back then because I don't think I understood. I don't think I knew you went to a bar to meet people. Like, I what, don't think I understood you had sex. What the hell are they sex. teaching you in Phoenix? I don't know. It's so embarrassing looking back now. Like, how, like, it's also, I mean, it's kind of adorable, let's be honest. It's also kind of like, oh, <laughs> cute little baby gay. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I took someone home the last night when I left from that bar. It was the first time I'd ever taken someone home. The last night the that you left? What like, you when I left Texas. I'm sorry. Like, so oh, I okay. stayed in Texas for, like, a while. But, um, yeah. That night I went home with someone. Ah, so you so you just weren't going there. You were just going there for a good time and not a good time mm -hmm. in an undressed kind of way. Yeah, I wish I would have understood you could do that. But I don't even think I knew you could do that because I thought you had boyfriends and you got married and then you had sex. I literally thought that's how it worked. Wow. Yeah. This is what, this is what living what in an heteronormative society does <laughs> exactly. to such young, impressionable brains. <laughs> exactly. Oh. It was like, I, I I just, that bar, I think was one of the first things to really teach me that it was okay to be gay, if that makes sense. As much as I was on the surface okay, I think there's still so much internally that really isn't okay. But I started to be really kind of okay there. And then I think I started to learn what kind of guys I liked and what I, you know, I just think I found a lot of things there. It was, it was magical. So how did it teach you that? It was probably that's where like I think my body dysmorphia I'm sure came mm -hmm. because it was the 90s. Of course, all I wanted was like the big buff circuit boys because I probably circled back to that football player from high school fantasy that I wanted to live still. And they didn't give me the time of day. I think I weighed 115 pounds back then. Like I was not the time of day, but I don't think I cared because I knew one day in my mind I was like, well, one day I'll find the one. 
that's going to fall in love with me and he's going to look like that and we're going to have this beautiful life. But I think even in that description that was probably unhealthy, but this is the kind of gay you are, I think I started to learn that there was multiple kinds of gay people, just like everything else. But we don't know that. You know, I don't I don't know. And I mm-hmm. I started to find, oh, there are people that I could be friends with. And then I think there was people I'm like, oh, people might have a crush on me. And I still didn't think I'm like, no, they just wanted to take home, take you home and have sex with you. But to me, they were falling in love with me. Yeah. yeah. Um, Late nights at the cinema, walking hand. Exactly. In hand. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was going to be beautiful. It's gonna be, oh, yeah. Yeah. I think I learned the power of a drag queen back then. And I love a drag queen. I love, I love how they can be whoever they want to be. And so of course, for a while, I thought I was going to be a drag queen. I was going to be, you know, Tori Apple because Tori Amos and Fiona Apple were all the rage in the nineties. So I had it all worked out. I was like, that's all I'm going to perform. I will just perform Tori Amos songs. I'm like, really? At a drag show, people want to see you perform Tori Amos songs. Listen, I know a lot of people that would pay for that. Okay. Yeah, I harness that power of a drag queen now. I can be 5'4", 115 pounds, and still walk into a room like I'm 6'2", 240 pounds. I can still like walk into a room with that much confidence. Wait, hang on. Let's not say that tall people are confident. <laughs> but in my, in my mind, in my mind, <laughs> okay, you look like right. that. Of course you are. <laughs> um, I'd learned a lot from a drag queen. Like, I like... I thank my I thank my queens. Can we circle back? You just made a comment about when facing rejection or facing disinterest from men of a certain body type, mm-hmm. you were okay with it because you were saying like, "Well, it's okay because one day I'll meet the one." Mm-hmm. And up until now, we've we've definitely bashed heteronormativity and <laughs> this notion of the one and this kind of mm-hmm. way that children are indoctrinated into mm-hmm. culture to think of romantic relationships as mm-hmm. an end unto themselves. But hearing you say that statement has made me think about how actually that gave you like hope. Maybe. And that gave you something to cling to. Maybe. And maybe because in that rejection and the power of the drag queens, I knew I was going to be enough for somebody someday. And they missed out. Because I know and knew that I'd be a really good partner to someone one day. And let's be honest, like, you want to be attracted to someone. Mm-hmm. But after a while, it's not about that anymore. Like, it's just so not about mm. that. You know, my mm-hmm. husband is, like, absolutely beautiful and gorgeous and I'm very lucky, and I definitely upgraded. He downgraded when he found me. Wait, am I supposed to argue with that? Sorry. (laughs) No. (laughs) I don't know what he looks like. (laughs) He was my number one in Phoenix. I thought he was the hottest person I had ever seen in Phoenix. Like, legit, legit, before we met. And I'm like, oh, my God. Okay, we're getting way late. But anyway. I know, I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah. So um, (laughs) what was the question again? Oh, the confidence Uh, in the people. I think I, I... I do. I think in somewhere it gave me hope that it was going to be okay. Mm. And some sort of weird, maybe kind of backwards thing, because I agree with you. I think heteronormativity is a really dangerous thing. I mean, chances are my three boys will, you know, find a lovely wife someday. They're most likely not going to be gay. If they are, hey, great, wonderful. But they're not going to be raised with that expectation. Mm -hmm. And I really hope, because I think heteronormativity that idea is dangerous for everyone i mean look how many divorces happen because it's so baffling to me that like the success of marriages is less than 50 percent, and yet we're still peddling this like oh yeah you should grow up and get married but like but why (laughs) well like why how and how many of those 50 percent that fail are because of an affair i'm like why don't you just go let them have a one nighter somewhere. Like it does not take away from you. Actually, the mm. way I look at it is, I'm giving something to my partner. I legitimately like believe that. I'm gift. like, I know. <laughs> yeah, here's a little gift. Go have a fun night. Especially after a long time, everyone needs to be fresh meat again. You know, if I went to a bar, I have not been to a bar in six years. Mm-hmm. So I could go to the bar that I went to all the time in Phoenix. It's still there. But you know what? If I walk in right now, I'll be fresh meat. And you know how good that would make me feel. 
like you said, it'll be that one night that I go and all eyes are on me. You're going to have to milk that night. (laughs) Exactly. You got to make sure. If you go in that night, that's it. Snug every boy. I will be milking a lot. Like I will, yep, won't just be one. (laughs) Oh, I see what you did there. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that's really healthy. I think it's good Uh, to me. And, you know, if other people want monogamy, hey, that's great too. But don't find one, someone who doesn't believe in monogamy and you do and think you're ever going to work out because it's not going to (laughs) happen. Go find another person who wants that in their life. Yeah, but, I mean, it's so difficult because Mm. the shame of non-monogamy is so great that so many people don't disclose that they Mm. don't want to be monogamous or they don't even, like, recognize that they don't want to be monogamous because they've been taught that they must be monogamous and so they've never questioned that. Yeah, I mean, I remember when Tom and I first started having that conversation. It was really hard. Yeah, it's really hard because it's like, am I not enough when it's not about that at all, is it? No, I th- 100%. Yeah, I just remember, I'm like, but at the same time, if we don't have this conversation, it's inevitably going to happen anyways, most mm-hmm. likely. Mm-hmm. And then we lied about it. So I'd rather just be upfront and honest. And if one of us said, no, we'll tackle that then. Like, we'll tackle it because it's not easy, especially not at the beginning. It's like there's a lot of boundaries that you have to do. But for me, I just think, I think... For whatever reason, because of the heteronormative ideas of life, like that is this most cherished thing, right? Like you can't ever come back from that. Like you can come back from so much more. Like it's really sad, at least in the U.S. I feel like I feel like it's more appropriate for someone to come back to a spouse that beat them because maybe it was just that one time and mm-hmm. people can grow and change and learn from that. But it, they had an affair on you, get them gone. Mm. I'm like, oh, that's just like a really dangerous and again, that's probably mm. a very broad stroke statement to make. But I like I just yeah. feel like in society, that's like, and if you can be that honest with someone about that most cherished thing, and you can be open about that with your partner, with well, the one, then you can be open about everything. And Lord knows if you're with somebody for a long time, you're gonna have you're gonna grow and change as people. And now well, you've learned to be uh, very okay. honest, hopefully. I'm gonna just point out that you and your partner don't poop in front of each other. So you can't be honest about everything. <laughs> True. There are no brown hankies in my closet. Nope. <laughs> no tea, oh, no shade to anyone who has no. a brown hanky. Good for you. Own you your truth, of, well, my friends. Well, I mean, you kind of have. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so at some point you realized that you could go to a gay bar, meet homosexual men, and then get off with them. Mm. <sighs> yes. When did this first occur to you? After three years of going there? <laughs> <laughs> no, one year. About a year. I think I realized at one point in time that you could go to a bar and meet someone. That you could do more than just dancing and talk at the bar and then, like, never see each other again. I'm like, oh, wait, things can happen here. You can find a boyfriend Uh at a bar. I had no idea. And there was this person that I met. I do not remember their name, but we used to call him Bitch Boy. That was his name forever. Okay. And I had this little crush on him. Is that one word or two? Probably one. Okay. And it's not really flattering, but that was his name. But I had a crush on him. And... Mm -hmm. He used to smoke, and I loved the way he would, like, twirl and dance with a cigarette in his hand, and I thought it was very <laughs> sexy. So I, like, of course, immediately went to buy a cigarette because I'm going to do it next to him next week, and he's going to talk to me because he's like, oh, he smokes too. Didn't enjoy the smoking, but I thought I looked cute with my little cigarette, like, twirling around, but whatever. We've um, And so then he talked to me, uh-huh. and I was like, oh, my God. Again, I don't remember his name, but Bitch Boy talked to me. Mark? I have a boyfriend and his name is bitch boy and we are going to live happily ever after. And I guess I have to take care of the big thing that I need to do. And I need to come out to my mother. So I called my mother like a day or two later and I had to come out to my mother because I had a boyfriend and we were going to be together because he talked to me one time at a bar. Wow. (laughs) And so how did this conversation uh-huh. go? Was your mom like, so what's his name? And you were like, his name is Bitch Boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And how long have you been seeing? Well, I just met him. <laughs> this is where poor planning would have been better. 
mm-hmm. because the the obvious upheaval that it caused when they came out. And it was like, it was fine. Like, it was fine. But like, I remember that, yeah, it's the first time a boy talked to me. So I have to come out to my mother because now I'm going to be married here soon. And, and whatever. It was so weird. And then he never talked to me again. And I just remember Aww. being a, like, that was the time that it was, I was devastated. But I probably came at him the next day and was like all over him. Like we were a boyfriend. So I'm sure yes, that's yeah, yeah. why he no longer talked to me. <laughs> and then my mom at that time was moving back to Arizona because my her and my father were going to try to work it out. So then I came out to her and then I didn't last long after she left because it wasn't going well, like my coming out story. And then so anyways, we were at the forum and then it was going to be my last night there. And that was when I took home this other person. And I realized you could take someone home and have sex with them at a bar. And it was my last night there. It so- was really crazy. How how did you then realize? So we went out to eat because, again, I didn't know any of this happened. Mm-hmm. So we went to like, you know, a 24-hour diner and he just looked at me and said, I didn't want to have eat with you. I wanted to have sex. And he was very direct about it. I was like, oh, okay. So you want to stay the night? No. <laughs> I just want to have sex with you. <laughs> And I don't think I ever understood what was going on. But anyways, we went back home to like to my apartment and we had sex. And then he left. And it was, I was like, okay, I enjoyed that. But also that's not how this is supposed to go. Mm. But I enjoyed it. And then I moved. So then it was like, I also didn't have to deal with it because then I moved back to Arizona soon after that. Um, mm. Like that that yeah. week, whatever it was. Not to make this whole conversation about bashing heteronormativity, but no. I remember for me that kind of thing happening where, you know, you don't have a conversation beforehand, do you? You're not like, so what is this? Is this just sex mm. and then we never see each other again? Or is this leading mm. into something? Or is this this? And so you're coming at it with different expectations. Mm-hmm. And it was always for me like, well, I mean, I've touched your penis, so we must be dating. And, and would have all of these really weird... Come downs, come downs is probably not the right term, but days or it's following on. sexual encounters where it was just like, oh, I must be a terrible person, or like no one loves me, or like you know all these like ridiculous projections that I was making on something that was just as simple as one sexual act. Yeah, I never was like that in bars. Like I never really became a like hook up with someone at a bar person. That just like it, it never. I mean, I have, but like it was not like my purpose. That's a lot of mm-hmm. reason people's purposes, right? Like, I think somewhere along the lines, I was really into cruising, and I think I liked that there was no if, ands, or buts about what we were going to do. Like it would be mm-hmm. the moment, and that was it. And I didn't have to worry about my expectations of what might come after. I didn't have to have that, oh, was something wrong with me? Was that good? Or Because I'm probably yeah, never going to yeah. see you again. So if I was bad, then you're never going to see me again anyways. Or if it was great, that was that one great time. And it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Like, I've always had this, this thing in me that I don't know if it's good or bad, or maybe it doesn't have to be either one. But, like, I always had everything, like, segmented. And there was mm-hmm. very little cross-pollination with things. And, like, so sex just became sex. And that was it. And to me, like it was even separate from a relationship until I met my now husband. I was like, oh, wait, Uh, these two things can kind of go together. mm -hmm. And it's really great. And then to try to figure out like being a little more open, that was a process to go, okay, no, I can have this and Mm -hmm. I can still have that. I can have sex with strangers and Uh I can still have my white picket fence of my home life and have a husband yeah, And they, they can be two separate containers, but those two can- containers can still live in me and I can have it all. And this is like really like, it's this amazing thing. Yeah, and no, not feel the need for to suppress one or to yeah. be dishonest yeah. about one. Because I remember mm. even with, with Tom, I remember once early on, he was like, I don't remember what we were, we were watching something. We were watching some movie or whatever and someone said the word making love and we just both started cracking up. And he looked at me and was like, please don't ever tell me you're going to make love with me. Like, I'm not interested in that. I want to fuck. And I don't care how long we're together. I just want to fuck. We can love each other another time. But when we were doing that, like, mm-mm. And I was like, oh, God. Mm-hmm. We are perfect for one another. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> and, like, 
so I somehow I don't even think in our own relationship I still think they're actually separate. And but like thinking about living your life in segmented ways mm-hmm. and ha- everything having its own box was that difficult then with Tom to be intimate and loving and soft oh, soft that's such a gross word but like <laughs> expressing that side and then also mm. having sex Mm-mm. i think he was kind of the same way i okay. think together i think we figured out that we were both like that because i think he was like me and not thinking that you could do that mm-hmm. and we kind of figured it out together that we could still do all of those things it was really healthy in that way you know, mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. very fortunate with that, actually. And again, mm-hmm. like not everyone would one feel that they could have that conversation with their partner without fear of what might happen. And then not only feel able to have that conversation, but then actually both arrive to a destination that we weren't sure we'd ever be able to arrive to and be there together. Mm-hmm. You know, let's um, it's great. Go into cheesy mode. So if you had the opportunity to go back in time and mm-hmm. talk to 18-year-old Brian, or maybe 19-year-old, or maybe 20-year-old Brian, other than suck more dick, what advice would you give him? Can I give myself two pieces of advice? Because one's much more shallow. Go ahead. Learn to be a bottom much younger, because <laughs> it's a lot more fun. It doesn't make you powerless. It actually makes you more powerful. So embrace that, practice safe sex, but be a bottom for a long time because it's great. Um, I think I would tell, oh, God, this is going to sound so like <laughs> after school special. <laughs> lean in, lean in. Yeah. This is the question I asked. Just go, go full hard. I think I would tell Brian that that idealistic life that you want, that you feel like is never going to come is going to come and you're going to be really incredibly happy. You're going to have an amazing person. You're going to find your person that you're meant to be with in your life. And he's going to treat you so incredibly well. And you're going to have three little boys. They're going to change you. And make you a much better person. And that all the trauma you've gone through in your life, you need to go through those things because you don't know you're going to have three little boys who went through a lot of trauma too. And you're learning to have a, you're getting your tools to help your kids. So maybe they don't have to be as scared and unhappy for as long as you were. And then maybe as a dad, you can prepare them that they don't, that they can learn to live with that trauma and it doesn't have to define them forever. And they're going to have a really happy life their whole life. And they're not going to have to go through the dark stuff that you did. Do you have any memories of the forum or clubbing from your own queer scene that you want to share? Well, if you do, please get in touch. I want to create the biggest online record of people's memories and stories of queer clubbing. Go to lostspacespodcast.com and find the section share a lost space and tell me all about what you got up to. You can also reach out to me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. My handle across all platforms is Lost Spaces Pod. Whilst you're there, find out more about Brian and his podcast, Pink Milk, on Twitter and Instagram, where his handle is Serving Pink Milk. Lost Spaces is not only a podcast, but it is a concept record as well. I have been writing songs about queer venues and the people who used to live their lives there and will be releasing songs over the next year. You can hear the first single, which is called Well Groom Boys and is playing underneath my talking right now on all good streaming platforms. 
If you enjoyed this episode, I would really appreciate if you subscribed, left a review on your podcast platform of choice, or just, you know, told people who you think might be interested in giving it a wee listen to. I am Kay Anderson, and you have been listening to Lost Spaces. Lost Spaces.